Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Yeah, most certainly is, wherever you might be, right across the SEN network. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Huge jam-packed athletic show. Ollie Hall, Commonwealth champion, will join us in about half hour's time. And, of course, anytime you want to get involved, not just about athletics, but health and fitness, 0499 736 736. As we know, Olympic silver medalist, dual Commonwealth Games gold medalist, and the top five, I would say, dual athletes in the history of sport. Hello to you, John Stephenson. <laughs> <laughs> camp, camp, camp. Really good to hear your voice, man. You're right. There's a lot of athletes to talk about this episode. Uh, but most important, we have some developments on this marathon thing. You're Ooh. trying to get me on, yeah. Cam. So uh, looking forward to uh, unpacking that later on in the show. But you know what? Let's just start right there. Let's get the biggest thing out of the way because you're (laughs) refusing to run a marathon. Mario, who is great and runs Kimmer's Warehouse, is, of course, a great partner of this show. And the reason we can do what we do is said, let's work this out. But I believe it's Mario who might have the complication, not you. Is this correct? Well, Cam, we know I was all for it. Yeah, absolutely. You You were whimpering last week, I believe. <laughs> now, mate, just pick one. Berlin, London, whatever you want, I'm in. Uh, no, it's funny. After the show, I got a text from the big fella, Mario, saying, Oh, look, I got a, I think I got a scheduling clash. New York might not be on. And I, I wrote back to him, Oh, no, you're kidding me. That's the worst thing ever. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. But, then, but the, return, the return text from him was like, Don't stress that. We, 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 we can just do Berlin. Berlin. Early. I'm like, No. Berlin. There's more than one <laughs> marathon getting around, Johnny Steph. Oh, mate. So it's, well, look, not, I'm not completely off the hook yet. Yeah, and, no, and nor I'm should not, you be. And, uh, yes, but I, I am, I am still. Yeah, listen, mate. I've been told very early in my career when mm-hmm. I was running, do not let your ambition supersede your talent, John. And I yes. understand that distance running is not my forte. But in the health, in in, in the spirit of health and fitness, Uncle Steph is willing to give it a try. Can Uncle I, I Steph. But well, I just I need a bit more arm twisting there. I need a little, I need more. I'm a prime. I like 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 in boxing they say you're a prize fighter. I like prizes. Mm. I like incentives. Ken. When I was running, there was a gold medal dangling into the yeah. race. Now there's some sponsorship there. I need something. Can get the juices flowing. All right, there's a couple of things we've got to unpack after the last thirty seconds. But I'll start with the most obvious one: <laughs> just self satisfaction, testing the mind and the body over forty two kilometers, and the medal you receive. From any said marathon ending. You also get to run through, keeping in mind the best and biggest marathons in the world are in the best cities. We're talking New York. You mentioned Berlin. Here in Australia, Melbourne, Sydney, great cities. Boston wasn't too far ago. We go to Tokyo. Like These are the greatest cities in the world, and the best way to see them is on foot. So while you might not be getting the Olympic medal Johnny Steph, which has driven you understandably in the past, you do get to see the best cities in the world while testing yourself. <laughs> Still no. All right. I'll work on it. Secondly, secondly, let's get to what is it maybe probably right now. I will say that I did. Uh, I'm doing some tempo running at the moment. Five and a half yes. minute K. So between okay. uh, seven and nine K. So just, just in case you do a backflip and I actually have to do a marathon, uh, I'm getting ready. myself ready. Um, now, uh, I don't know if you'll... I know that 
You're an off-the-bench lover, uh, an SEN lover, but are you aware of off-the-bench with Hutchie and, and Pickers on a Saturday morning? I have, I have a, a good understanding. Okay, yes, I do. so, so they, have a, they have a segment called uh, Third Person Self-Congratulator of the Year, and it's essentially <laughs> people just talking about themselves. Uh, and, of course, there are, we all do it at some point in the media, uh, and I, I am fairly certain that you hadn't scored a point until last week when you just went to absolute... Work and Benny Lyon, it was at 50 points, 60 points. How many points was it in the end? About 20. Tw- tw- no, I think it was more than 20. Either way, you had a bundle oh. of points straight up. You can still win this, it goes uh, over the whole t- calendar year, man. So, congratulations hey, me, to you. Let me tell you, Kate, it's just the beginning. It's <laughs> yeah, just I know the beginning. you've already <laughs> slid Uncle Steph in. We've been here three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Steph, Johnny Steph, Jay Stephenson. I do Jay love Bond. it. <laughs> <all there. laughs> oh, we do it all thanks to Kemba's Warehouse. And again, uh, Mario, we're going to have to sort this out. But let's go back to last week because Doha is where the Diamond League started last late Friday night, early Saturday morning Australian time. And there was a number of good performances from Australians. And as per... The middle distance runners are particularly going well. Jess Hull was particularly good uh, in the 1,500 metres. A very strong 1,500 metre field, it must be said. Abby Caldwell ran well also. Uh, I think they finished, they did. They finished fourth and fifth, which is a, uh, a fair start to it as well. It was a very slick race. And uh, the very fact is that uh, the Australian women, again, in the middle distance world, have started off the season, the European or the summer season, really well. Definitely, Cam. And one thing we've got to point out, and I think, you no, know, the whole reason of doing this show is to educate the listener um, about the sport of athletics. And and what I can say is that's the first international meet for our Australian athletes. Look, Jess and Abby, I wouldn't say that an extensive Australian season, but that they've they've been running for a good two three months now. Mm. Um, so they had a bit of momentum coming into Doha. But every time you travel internationally. Um, it's, there's still an adjustment period and they'll be looking to head over to Europe, looking to sort of get a bit of a base camp going and then attack in the European summer, right? So I think that's a good, a really good competition opener for them internationally, especially against the calibre of field that they that they ran against. And, and, I, and I will say that it, you know, you, 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 they'll be going through a bit of a period now where they'll be, be doing almost a bit of a loading phase based training using Doha to make a bit of money because this is where they make money throughout the season and then looking to sort of ramp it up towards world champs in Budapest. Now, 100 days actually to Budapest. I think it might have been yesterday, but we're technically into the last 100 days before we get to the uh, the World Athletics Championships. I, I think a really good sign, Georgia Griffith was in that field as well. She finished 12th, but a really good sign. She's She has been hampered. She's got that Achilles injury, so she's working her way through and working herself into form and fitness. Mm. And I, I think it just continually bodes well for any athlete or any nation in this particular case. She's a athlete who is at the highest level, finished 12th in a really good field, as I touched on, and she's coming from a low base. That suggests that they're set for a pretty good year once she's able to work out her issues and build her fitness. Uh, I don't know about that, Ken. No? I think any time you've got an Achilles issues as, mm. as, as, a, as a distance runner, um, it, it, it's... It's it's like a hamstring to a sprinter, you know. It, it's it's and I'll and I'll give you some context and understanding. I, you, you, when you're sprinting so fast, the the, you know, as a sprinter, your hamstring is one of the main muscles you don't want to hurt, yeah, because they're the ones that that, that predominantly gets injured whenever you're sprinting. Um, wear and tear for a distance runner is why the Achilles starts to flare up. It's why Achilles stays flared up. 
And so I, I guess Georgia, if, if my understanding, would be trying to limit the amount of exposure she has with, with, with training to, because she's such a talented athlete and allow herself just to get back into racing, um, which then means will she have the volume that she needs to be able to compete with the best in all that she's used to? Would she have changed her training program around to allow her to get through in pain free through training through the week so she can attack races because she's such a talented athlete and she can race well and she has that pedigree. So, you know, again, this shows about giving context to the listeners mm. so they understand when they see Georgia come 12th, they used to see her come first and second, they can understand. And, and that's what you're alluding to too, Cam. Is Absolutely. That there is hope. She is building towards world championships. She's still out there racing. So, but it, it is, when, you, when you're looking at preparation in a season camp, you want nine months of everything going well. You do not ever want to have one month or two weeks if you want to compete with the rest of the world. So that's what makes the sport so interesting. It's what makes the sport so hard is that not one thing can go wrong, not for three weeks, not for two weeks. You can't have a bad game through the week, come back and still win the season. You have to make sure everything is building all the way, all the way towards world championships. Matthew Denny threw a season's best as well, just over 64. I think he finished fourth. So yeah, he's another yeah. one. And yeah, no, no, Matt, Matt, Matt is just the guy which, which honestly, and this is the sad, and if Dave Culber was in the show, he'd be saying, yes, John, preach. You know, the field events across the world in our, in our sport really don't get really the accolades and attention that they should get. Matt Denny's been a const, consistent top 10 performer, at least say for the last, Honestly, for the last six, seven mm. years, I mean, this guy is, if, and if you look at any other sport and you were at, at that caliber, you say this, take golf, for instance, mate, top 10 in golf, you are you are the man or the woman. So, you know, um, Matt, again, he, he, he consistently is he, a character in the sport. He likes promoting the sport um, and, he, and, and he consistently goes out to these international meets, both at championships and one day meets, and he competes with the best in the world. Something I will say about the Diamond League, and they've done it in the last couple of years, they, they traditionally have found ways to take field events away from the stadium and into the smack bang middle of particular yeah. cities. And it is a little easier, of course. Yeah, I don't think you can particularly do it with the javelin, but when it comes to high jump or pole vault or shot put or discus, which is it, you 100% know that is contained within a certain radius, I think it's a great yeah. way to expose people to, as you say, sports or at least disciplines that haven't got the exposure of the blue ribbon events like the 100 metres. Well, 100%. Well, we saw on the weekend as well at the Atlanta City Games, um, they do exactly that. They had a track down the middle of the road and, you know, you saw Noah Lyles compete. He became the third all-time in the 150 I mean, 150 meter sprint, a um, third all time greatest 150 meter runner, and I actually called Usain Bolt. Uh, you say it up, and I and I, I felt really bad for this, but I I thought of sending Noah a text saying to him, Usain just keeps haunting you because the guy that's got the record for the 150 is Usain. Absolutely. So I, 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 I thought I better not, but you said and I laughed because. You know, he, you know, and, and, and kudos to him, compares himself to Usain and wants to become the greatest of all time and wants to beat Usain's record. So you're quite right, Cam. The way we're going to get exposure for the sport is by uh, creating difference, by disrupting the game, the conventional game that we're used to seeing around the oval track. And uh, we saw that with the Lander City games. But let's go back to this, Cam. Uncle Steph predicted these things. I'm also like Mystic Mac. Yeah, Conor absolutely. McGregor, I, I, I predicted the women's 100. Yes, and I don't know if we got the record and we can re-loop that. But Shakari Richardson came he out did. and absolutely blasted them in the 100, uh, which is great for the sport, right? Because if you remember last year when the Jamaicans uh, took her, I think, at Prefontaine, she came almost, she came dead last. Yeah, she ran horribly. Both, 
Shelly Ann, Sharika Jackson, uh, Elaine Thompson, they all beat her, right? Um, so to see her set a world lead um, and beat Sharika Jackson, who's the who's the reigning 200-meter world champion, I think she came second in 100 meters at world champs last year. Um, isn't that great for the sport? I think it's great for the sport because anytime you have someone who's of high profile and she, she gained a lot of that profile during the situation that, that flared up a couple of years ago heading towards the Tokyo Olympics, of course. But the fact is that she's extremely fast. And I also think any time the Jamaicans have been able to dominate the 100 metres and the 200 metres in both the men's and the women's, in particular the women's, for the better part of the last decade. Usain Bolt did what he did, and now it's a bit more of an open field in the men's side of it. I, I think this is great for the sport because it only continually drives coverage in the United States as well, which there's a flow-on effect around the world. I think this is best thing that well could said. possibly happen. And like you, well you, said. like people can argue, ah, the Americans. Ah. It's like you know what? No. You can argue the the fact that the Americans get more exposure than anyone else in a lot of different ways, and I understand that argument. But they also have a greater population, and they do things in a certain way which attracts people to a particular sport. And I think that women's 100 meters, if she stands up, the Jamaicans are going to be strong. They, you name three women there. They've probably got another five in Jamaica who can just stand up on the on the biggest stage and run well as well. The 100 meters and the 200 meters, as we get to Budapest, is going to be must watch cam well said and whether we like it or not um our sport if you look at the heyday look at the santa monica track club the carl lewis days uh you know the joe douglas days when he was the coach at santa monica track club um you cannot deny when americans are behind track and field the, the sport of track and field grows and flourishes this has gone over the last 20 years since maurice green um since 2000 olympics i'd like to say um, since after Atlanta Games. Um, so you're quite right. Having such... And look, let's let's not hide the fact that Kyrie Richardson owns the fact she's a controversial character. Yeah. She owns the fact that she is who she is. Um, and she she's out there. And you, whether you whether you like it or not, um, you tune in to watch her. And it, it's the it's the old Anthony Mundine in boxing. It's it's the Muhammad Ali in boxing. It's it's the Conor McGregor in UFC fighting. And I think that's sport. It's entertaining. And we we've got to learn not to be so sensitive about the situation. Enjoy the entertainment factor of what she brings to the race. And you're quite right. I cannot wait for the women's hundred um, come Budapest. I think that's definitely going to be the race to watch. And I think that also Johnny Steph, to use your words, which you call yourself, you're cut from that similar cloth. Hey, legitimately, it's your personality, but it's also the fact that you did train a lot in the United States and you had a lot of that exposure with running and training and competing with these major athletes in the United States. So a lot of that, I'm not sure what you were and like prior to that, but that's a huge reason as to how you were able to gain exposure and how people were attracted to you and the way you ran, not just at the Olympics and the Com Games, but also you know, on the back of the Com Games, when things weren't going that well, you were always in some way a newsworthy article because of the way you went about it. I think that that sport, many sports can take a leaf out of certain ways to go to make sure. And I, all right. So in Australia, right, the AFL, the NRL, they are always the top notch sports. You know, you can't argue that, but the fact is that sometimes athletes come along and do things a certain way and they're able to get non mainstream sports into the mainstream media. I think you did that particularly well. And I think when the Americans and track and field doing it, as they have at certain decades, it works well to push into the four major sports over there. Yeah, can we look? I I I I I remember 
quite vividly, before I even started running, I, I came from the boxing background. I fought as a kid. And I remember watching a Telstra A-series um, back in Perth. And and, and got, I watched an athlete do an interview. And I, and I just started running. I literally just started. And I said to myself, I never, ever want to ever answer an interviewer like that. I found it the most boring thing in the world. And as much as like consciously I knew what I was doing, I, I made sure that I said the rule I was going to have, I was always going to be myself on and off the camera. So how you see me, Cam, when we're at KFC in, mm -hmm. in Davenport, mm -hmm. uh, he, he's hopefully the same guy you see on the radio show and the same guy you hear um, on TV besides the profanities. I understand there's yeah. a professional yeah. side of sport. <laughs> I understand I've got sponsors that I represent. I understood all that. Um, but I made a very conscious decision that I was going to be the same person. And that was just who I was. Um, and I, I agree with you. And working with younger kids now today, it's such a fine line because you don't want them not to be themselves. I, I specifically say be who you are, but be that times two, right? People want to want to get to know you. They want to be aligned with somebody, not only for their performances, but the person that they are. And I think a person that really absorbs this, but it's become quite the villain in, in our sporting culture, and you look at is Nick Kyrgios in tennis. Now, years ago, if you spend time with him, he, he spends so much time with so much times time with fans. I've seen him personally and observed him out because he goes to the same Japanese restaurant in Sydney that I go to. That's just a local Japanese restaurant. And I've observed how he is with people. And he's the exact same guy with giving everybody his time. Um, the guy is chosen to be who he is. And I'm having a conversation with Craig Tarley about this. I said, Craig, what, what, how, are you, how are you dealing with, I think this is, this is about seven years ago. I said, how are you, when we were doing Nitro, I said, how are we, you dealing with, you know, with, the issues with how the media portray Nick and 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 Theonasi Kokonakis, and he said, John, to be honest, with you they're great kids. Um, we have the biggest fan engagement when it comes to kids because of those two athletes. He goes, so we don't see we don't. I don't have a problem with them at all, John. Yes, we're trying to work with them to become better and trying to, you know, get them to 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 be themselves, but to become more polished as as we go through. But we don't find it a problem. So you're really you're quite right, Cam. You know, it's such a fine line between um between you know not being who you are and trying to sell the sport and just being who you are and enjoying and letting the viewers see that you are enjoying what you're doing. That you are. A real person. And what worked for you too as well, you were who you were. It led you to have some disagreements with Athletics Australia. And then it also led you to open the conversations to join Athletics Australia and try and make some of those changes of which you were you were fighting for and vocal about at different times in your career. Now, this show, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, we also workshop some things, Johnny Steph. Ollie Hall's going to join us in around... 10 minutes, Tom, but I want to workshop something with you on the <laughs> other side go. of the break. 0499, 0433981116 uh, to get involved. I keep dropping the SEN track phone number. Make sure you text that as well, though, if you want a tip on a Friday <laughs> banana. Quick break for Chemist Warehouse. More with Johnny Steph next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats. With Cam Luke and John Stephenson. That's right. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Uncle Johnny Steph in the house. Cam Luke, Thursday night. Ollie Hoare, not far away. He'll join us in around 10 minutes' time. And I've been thinking. Great. Ollie think, Hoare, Absolutely. Please. Commonwealth Games, gold medalist. and really oh, The Commonwealth Games gold a... alumni, Cam. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to rack my brain. You made some comments last week to me about the Diamond League, right, and, and how it could probably... Mm -hmm be expanded. I've just been trying to, to, I want to flash it out 
a little bit. Do you do you think there is any way of which we can have not dissimilar to cycling, right, in the Diamond League, where we have private franchises, right, and we have ten or twelve or whatever the number might be. The number's relatively irrelevant in this particular Stop point. Stop it, right? And then we use that. The money that you have to buy and have the franchises, which the Diamond League, how it currently sits with the best athletes in the world and the great locations, that still happens. But we have a second tier Diamond League, which is somewhat funded by the the fee that's attached to buying a franchise, which means it can go to non-traditional hardcore athletics countries. Like we could have a second tier Diamond League meet in Australia, right? And then we may we have one in South Africa. And if you if you all of a sudden become really dying, and you're having a great season, you kind of get opportunity to go into the first tier where there's more points and more prize money. It, is it unrealistic to suggest that something like that could work in athletics? Well, it currently exists, but it's just a flawed format. Well, so currently, if you look at athletics, yep. there's the Diamond League and there's the Continental Series. And mm-hmm. the Continental Series for, uh, uh, comprises of a bronze, silver, and gold meet. And the whole point for these track meets uh, is to, and like we saw the Murray plant meet this year in Australia, that became a gold meet. So with the gold meet, it becomes more benefits from the IAAF, more tour points for the athletes competing, and more kudos around the event. Um, so essentially, if we're talking about actual teams, and mm. I get your question, but I'll separate this, right? Please. So we're talking about competitions that actually exist, right? So so athletes compete in bronze, silver, and gold. They're normally athletes that are sort of your second-tier athletes, and then they sprinkle in a, like a Fred Curley at the Diamond League. Uh, the gold, there is a who's a, uh, a Diamond League athlete that competes in the circuit, but he competed in the gold meet in Australia. He gets paid a good fee, and he runs. Um, and then he gives athletes that maybe won't make a Diamond League a chance to run against Fred Curley. So that's why these meets exist. Talk, it's so funny you ask that question. And I'm going to say to your answer about creating a team, I'm going to say to you, Johnny Steph, he's never, ever resting here at home. He's always working on things, Ken. I know. So, uh, so, uh, so what's that space? Uh, as far as the competition is second so, tier So hang on a second. So let's just, we're separated. <laughs> and the competitions exist, right? So let's get to the teams aspect of it. And a lot of this, right. am I thinking, stemmed off the fact that we spoke about collegiate athletics last year, uh, last week, where the collegiate team and buying into national teams and all the rest of it's a big part of it, right? So you're, you're, you're telling me that you're working on something currently <laughs> that might have this format around the world? You don't care. I'm a I'm a guy that doesn't like to count his chickens before they hatch. Oh, that's can, that's you know? fair. Uh, so so, but uh, let's just say we understand uh, that the sport needs change. Yes, uh, we understand that these athletes need support. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I talk about myself and and the, the great team I have around me. Um, and and we are doing our very best to to disrupt the game like we do the Nitro Athletics, um, in a positive way, and to give to give the sport an opportunity to 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 grow. So. Um, you know, I think you're quite an intuitive cat. I think you 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 have a place in the team, uh, Cam. I I, uh, I, with, I with, with, with knowing what what is needed for the sport of athletics. And I did look, and I did preface this whole show, yes. on episode one, that my man Cam knows what I, he's talking about. You know what I do so like about this? Thing is horse racing and basketball. You know what I do my like about this? Right, I do well, like the fact that uh, I've obviously come, I've, I've swum very close to the flags here. You are, I'm right <laughs> into something that you clearly are heading deep into and you're very guarded, which I like. And I like the idea because you are a innovative cat, your words, not mine, uh, in the world of athletics. I just think that it, that whole, you know, the whole team aspect of which Nitro yeah. was big on is something yeah. that can be done 
right across the world. And I know well, it's such a, it's such an it's such an individual sport, athletics. So anytime it. you can lean that's on it. help, be it uh, on track or off track or feel part of something in a more wholesome way, while also finding a way to finance it better so these athletes can continually make money, not just right. but the absolute top when you're right. when you are Fred Curley or you are the best right. athlete in the world. Like the the ones that are trying to get there and that fits yeah. perfectly for a lot of Australian athletes. Well hundred percent and the thing is all like it's that's the problem with our sport. Such it, because it's an individual sport well, most of the time besides the relays, um if if that a, it, athlete gets injured, they just drop off Gone. They're gone. Yeah. You, you, you as a fan, you're like, where, where what are happened they? to Johnny Steph? Where yeah. are they? Um, the story it can't be told. You know, they can't be carried by their team. We realize with Nitro Athletics that the team element is really, really awesome in a sense that if an athlete like that does drop off, um, there's still another 10, 12, 15 athletes that they can still support within the team. So the team element is very powerful culturally around the world when it comes to sport. People love their teams. Absolutely. It, it, they, it, it, it's, it's almost tribal, right? They like to be a, affiliated with the team. Um, and and it, it, look, even if you look at horse racing camp, it, most of the times, yes, you follow a horse you love, but then you start following the trainer. You start following the stable um, because you believe in the training, you believe in the stable. And, and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm a, a mug punter and, and, and I don't know anything about horses the way, the way you know, but I know for myself, if I had a choice between, I look at who's training the horse and I go, yeah, they must know what they're talking. I'm mm. going to back that horse in. Mm. So, you know, when it comes down to teams, it's, it's important. I think in athletics, the only time we do get a team, which isn't really, really represented really as a team is at world championship Olympics, which you represent your country. Um, but what you're talking about as far as a franchise model, I think that's very, very important for our sport because you start bringing the bigger brands like maybe Mercedes, Coca-Cola, or Red Bull to start having a team. They start to carry some of the, 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 um, the the fiscal pain that comes along with with professional sport, um, and then also allows us to have a feeder sort of feeder group for the young athletes coming through. While you have got the established names like your Curleys, your Richardsons, your um, Shelley Ann's, um, to help them build their brand and cross pollinate their um, um, the the commercial side of what they're getting um, into the younger athletes. Now we do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We're going to get to a break. Ollie Hall's not far away, but I just want to throw one thing at you, and mm-hmm. I have no doubt there's a really good reason as to why this has never been a possibility. How come we don't link one of the major marathons as part of the Diamond League series? Oh, that is, I, I, I'll be just talking for talking's sake, but if I was a guessing man, I'd like to think logistically it just, it just wouldn't. But there would be a major marathon on while Diamond League and the season exists. I mean, there could be, but I think right now, it, one, there'll be two main reasons. One would be that, Commercially, they're almost separate entities, so mm-hmm. it's own it's owned by no a separate organisation to Diamond League. Yep, and I reckon that'll be its number one clash, mm-hmm. right? As okay, how do we rev- revenue share and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, Absolutely, all come down to dollars. Absolutely. So I think that's the number one reason. As far as in theory, you're right. Yeah, I, it I, wouldn't hurt, right? No, I, I like mean, a, it. Wouldn't hurt at all. You know, we see the best athletes in the world, Diamond League, and we talk about them, and a lot of those, or some of those, are marathon runners who we do see. A little off Broadway, unless you're a hardcore athletics fan, but you, you might not know when the the Boston Marathon is, or the the Tokyo Marathon, mm. or or mm. when Berlin or New York. Mm. It's just you know these mm. are marathons that you really have to be deeply entrenched in athletics or health and fitness to know when they are on. I just think, I think no, Cam, Cam, I'll correct you. I don't think so. I think the rec running space, especially in this country, mm. it, the people are people are well versed in you the rec running space. Oh yeah, I, I, and I think that's the problem with our sport. We haven't crossed over the the rec runners into our sport. 
that's where we really, and that's what I know within the federation. That's been kind of the strategy over the last, you know, one to five years. Is how do we, how do we bring this the the the, the park runners, the, the 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 your Melbourne Marathon runners, you know, your your ten k mm. city to surf athletes, um, runners, re, uh, this recreational runners. How do you bring them over to understand that this is athletics? So this has been a huge part of Athletics Australia trying to tell that story because it is. You're Absolutely. quite right, Cam. And doing things like having a major marathon aligned with Diamond League can help this cross, can help this bridge. Hmm. For Commerce Warehouse, it's what we do. We brainstorm. If you get some ideas, 043398-1116. Heading to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. The great Commonwealth Games gold medal superstar Ollie Hall to join us on the other side of this. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. This is the House of Ats with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. Most certainly is. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Head to Chemist Warehouse, John Stephenson, Cam Luke and a superstar of Australian athletics and in fact world athletics is Commonwealth Games gold medalist and uh, Johnny Steph. You're not yeah, the only. more than that. Hey, this is well, 59 mate, royalty, if, if I'm going to go through his CV, it's going to rule out any good chat with him. Because it's look at, how, look, at how, look how big it is. It's 38 pages. All I can tell you is that the guy's a superstar and Ollie Hoare joins us now. Ollie, welcome to the House of Hats, man. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> mate, always Ollie a pleasure. We, we only speak to the biggest stars. Uh, Johnny Steph is traditionally the biggest star, and I'm glad we've got one bigger than him. Yes. And, he gets well, shadowed, I man. Say, I didn't say off air, Cam. It just feels so great to have a fellow Commonwealth Games gold medalist on this program. It's been lonely, Cam. It's been very, very lonely for me. And then hey. now, you know, I've got the champ, Ollie, Ollie, man. We're so super duper proud of you, brother. I know we talked, uh, we talked off air about um, about the season. And the one thing I want to preface this whole conversation by when people talk Commonwealth Games, people like to think that some of these events are light on. When I say that 1500 meters was stacked at Commonwealth Games, it was stacked. It just in the in the in in the sheer fact that we had the the current uh, world championship gold medalist in the race who, who pre, we only was five or six weeks before Commonwealth Games and only took him on and put him to the cross uh, and 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 this shows the caliber of athlete Ollie was all season last year all season Ollie was dominating around the world yes world championships didn't go so well which I'd love to discuss him and get his thoughts on it but when it came to Commonwealth Games he did not let himself down he threw himself and gave himself the best chance to win i think that's why we love him that's why australia love him that's why the world love him because he gave it what what you're meant to do at championship running is win the race so ollie man we are so proud of you congratulations it's awesome to talk to you oh thank you so much i mean yeah coming from you uh that's, that's pretty pretty unreal um yeah i just going through that whole year was uh it was pretty incredible and Obviously, yeah, world champs was a bit of a disappointment, but being able to correct that and then go to comms, like you said, it was just a crazy stacked race. You had um, even had the uh, Tokyo silver silver medalist uh, and bronze medalist, as well as the uh, two former world champs. It was just a, it was a crazy race, an amazing race to be a part of. But uh, yeah, getting the win on that definitely uh, it was it was a very very sweet moment and awesome moment for athletics as well, uh, particularly in the fifteen hundred meters for Australia. So it was awesome to to, to uh, get out there and just, yeah, win that race and, and uh, put all that hard work into into result. Ollie, when you say it was a disappointment, were you able to fairly quickly with you and your support staff be able to work out what went wrong in the world titles? Oh, 100%. I think for me, I uh, I was going in so confident, uh, meddling and obviously trying to take that world championship win. Um, I had a great race in Oslo. Uh, I ran 347.4 mm. in, in the mile um, mm. and that was an Australian record. 
and Mosham uh, held that record, and then Stewie held that record, and then uh, to break that record by almost a second, it just it proved to me that I was uh, a capable athlete to be up there in that in that top uh, medal contention. But tactics just didn't go well. Um, Semi final, I I spent too much energy moving around. I didn't trust my instinct. I didn't trust my gut. Um, trying to close down the race near the end to qualify, and, and it cost me uh, a spot in the final. And obviously, my coach, my support staff, they all were pretty upset and pretty disappointed, feeling like they they did something wrong. But it was really all on me. And as an individual athlete, as as John knows, like you do take on your results, whether they're the highest highs or the lowest lows. And and that was a low for me. And I thought, well, I, I'm very very lucky and fortunate. I have another another privilege this year to compete at the Commonwealth Games to represent Australia again and, and to do it right. So we went back to the drawing board board and we kind of looked at my training and, and, and showing that my strength has been there the whole year but what really mattered was the trust and the instinct of, of having that that close that last kind of kick because that's where mm. races are going to be won and um, if you watch the 1500 meters at Com Games that's kind of what I did I just I stayed patient and made sure that I when I made my move it was uh, it was decisive and it was also just to make sure that I could run to that line first and um, yeah and, and and that's just that's what happened that's that's how it went <laughs> Well, Ollie, it's great to have you on the show because one of the reasons why we have this show uh, brought to you by Chemist Warehouse uh, is to us to educate the general public about track and field. And 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 I'm, I find it really interesting because it's something I learned in my career um, when you get the big championship running. It's very different to running in Australia, running in college. And I think it's more the emotional element of trying to get through the rounds and making sure your nervous system and emotionally you are put together to be able to attack in the final. And I think a lot of people watching and go, why need us do that in the final? But they don't understand to get to the final, there's heats, there's semifinals and, and, and there's rounds to get there. Um, and I think it's really interesting to say that what you learned was, okay, I, I think I just did a bit too much work in the semifinal. And that sometimes is not only physically, it's, it's the mental exhaustion you put yourself through to try and make the final, to try and do the dance throughout the race. And then you get to the final, and you kind of, you, you, you're hungry, you're physically wanting to do it. But there's something that just, like you call it, that last kick you needed for the last 50 metres. And I think you articulated it very, very well, which then we saw that changeover come Commonwealth Games where you learnt the lesson. And I also do want to say to people, when you talk track and field, when we call them blue ribbon events. Now, in my understanding, Ollie, you can correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of blue ribbon is the 100, of course, the 400, <laughs> the 1500, and the marathon. And to win any medal in any championships in, in one that is it's extremely hard. As you heard, the caliber athletes that, that Ollie raced against was, was you heard, Tokyo silver medalists, world championship gold medalists. So I think that this, this the future is, you, you are the top one or two or three athletes in the world in a 1500 meter, Ollie. Yeah. Without a no, doubt. I, I... I really, yeah, I, I think that was the the one thing. You are right with the Blue Ribbon events. I agree that the 100, 400, 1500 marathon, maybe 5K as well can be, can be yeah. classified as Blue Ribbon yeah, event, definitely. 800 maybe. But I yeah. think when you watch history of athletics and you go through, you know, all, all those events, those events are the ones that most of the crowds on there, like everyone's engaged. They know the characters, they know the athletes. And, uh, and those are the races that a lot of people are very engaged with. So, um, well, yeah, the Commonwealth has an amazing array of athletes. And I think that was the one thing that you pointed on too, was that it is hard for just a, a, a general fan who who watching the Paris Olympics and we watching uh, the Commonwealth Games when it's in Victoria. Like, why why can't they just run like that every race? It's like, well, <laughs> that's just not how you, you build into it. Like a sprinter kind of, they want to get used to it. They want to get used to the 
kind of the feel of the track, the way they feel like accelerating and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm not an expert with sprinting, but I know that every round they usually feel better and they feel more prepared. Yeah. Um, 400 as well and 800 to 1500 is all about just getting to that final as as easy as possible but also mentally just as capable as possible to to be hungry like you said and to to perform at that top game and and that's something that you learn as an athlete and and you make mistakes um along the way but to be able to kind of correct that and learn from it, it, it definitely um, it helps in that progression at the at the major uh, championships. Now, of course, with everything going on in the world the last few years, there's a, a shuffling a couple of these major championships, which means you get an opportunity in less than 100 days to get back to the Worlds and, and resurrect that disappointment from last year. How does it look for you the next 100 days? How does it look for you from a competition point of view? Uh, it, it looks great. I mean, I'm, I'm going to Rabat Diamond League, uh, 1500 meters, which will be a good opener. Um, and then Oslo 1500 meter Diamond League, which will be against, uh, the world champion and world silver medalist as well as the world champion. So I, I get that exposure to compete against those athletes early, but as, as John, uh, kind of emphasized, like the rounds are so important, um, getting into those major championships, that's when you've got to get used to like racing back to back. And these races are going to be great to test where I am, um, competing against the best athletes in the world. But um, moving forward, obviously, um, we're going to be focused really well on training and just making sure that we can prepare ourselves for those rounds, also physically and mentally, um, going into Budapest. So, uh, But my first two races of the schedule are Rabat 1500-meter uh, Diamond League, uh, Oslo 1500-meter uh, Diamond League. And then uh, I'll have a bit of a, a base just to kind of get through some training. It's going to be a long yeah. season for a lot of our um, athletes in athletics. And then moving forward from there, I'll do the London, uh, they're having a mile. Uh, at the London Stadium and then uh, heading towards uh, to Budapest. So it's going to be a great season. I'm really excited. Um, I'm, I'm in a great place right now and I'm looking forward to hopefully um, getting some scalps and, and turning a few heads uh, at those Diamond League races. So it's going, so to, be, Ollie, it's going I, to be a good one. Sorry, Ollie, I don't want, to, I don't want you to, uh, to, to reveal your game plan for the season, but uh, <laughs> uh, w- w- which, which one of those races you named you, you're hoping to drop the hammer, mate? Is that going to be closer to, towards Budapest or are you going to build all the way to Budapest and put all your eggs in one basket for Budapest? Honestly, I just, Oslo. Oslo, yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to run that race, win it, and watch the home crowd be really upset about their Norwegian superstar getting beat. Oh, that's, 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 yeah, that's, like the race. that's the race. I like uh, it. I, I really want to. And <laughs> my coach and I were, were focused on that race. It's going to be a good test and a good kind of place where to be moving forward to, to Budapest. And it's got good right. space where we can kind of make adjustments in training or tactical errors that may happen. But I'd love to at any time. Uh, it's home got country such a rich history, eh, Oslo. Oslo's yeah. got such yeah. a... Rich history, uh, Ollie. I mean, the, the great Sebastian Car, I think, broke the 800 meter record. Mm-hmm. There, was it 800 meter record he broke? That's there? correct, yeah. Um, yeah. you yeah. know, uh, and and yeah, so but uh, I would have thought maybe Monica would have been something on your radar. That's historically a very, very quick track, very, very quick race. 100%. I mean, I got to get into Monaco. I think Monaco's one of the hardest places to get into, and my ranking's great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to get into all these diamond leagues, but Monaco is definitely on my radar too. Um, yeah. So hopefully that would be the one where, you know, you'd run a really, really fast race. Um, but Oslo is definitely the race where they, all the competitors are there that are probably going to be there at the uh, Budapest final. So and how important think, is that, yeah. Ollie? Ollie, how important is that to run fast? Um, in a, in, 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 is it important to you to have a fast race? Or do you think, damn, I, I might have taken some, some money at the bank for world championships. You can run that quick in Monaco. It's say a race yeah. historically like Monaco, they do run 329, yeah. 328. You know, they go quite quick. Yeah, no, it's always a risk. I think when you when you run such a like if you run an amazing time or personal best or a national record or a world lead even, um, there's always going to be a risk there. 
that you maybe overdone it. You maybe might be over overworking it too early, and then when you get to Budapest, you can't fire, you can't engage in the race as well as as you could uh, at that point. So it's always going to be careful and cautious about that. But um, I mean personally, like if I can go into a Monaco or Oslo, um, running in a really good race, being competitive hopefully winning the race or running fast, then I can tick those boxes and also be able to reassess and say, right, we're in a good place right now. Budapest is the end goal. That's that's where we want to go and, and represent Australia as the best possible version of ourselves. And uh, that's kind of, that's the main goal is, you know, maybe maybe uh, you sacrifice a second or you sacrifice a place to, to gain a place and gain a second uh, in Budapest. So that's definitely like yeah. the priority. Ollie yeah. Hoare joins us on the House of Aths right across the SEN network. I just want to ask you about Tokyo because all these Diamond League events, the Com Games, you know, the world titles last year and again this year sold out, joints going nuts. And Tokyo, your first Olympic experience, you're doing laps of a track with not many people, if at all, in the stadium. How how did you find it compared to what you're used to now when you're, you're running in these major events? It was very surreal. Um, I, 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 I still feel like I've been talking to a lot of uh, past Olympians and their experiences with, with London, with Rio, with Beijing. They've all got incredible stories and, and, and fan engagement, all that sort of stuff. And I remember Tokyo lining up. Um, it's my first ever Australian team that I've ever made. Um, lining up for the 1,500-meter final, and you could hear a pin drop. I did not expect uh, <laughs> that that experience. You know, I expected the roar of the crowd. You, you feel the energy like John knows. Was it horrible? It, it was, like, be honest. Was, was, it, was it, were you just let, were you, did you feel let down? Were you like, is this really what I've worked yeah. my backside for? I mean, it's the Olympic Games. So you want, you want the, you visualize it in your head since you're a kid. And John, you know this, like you visualize it and you think the crowd screaming, like just mm. the, the roar and the energy. And, and when it's not there, when you've worked so hard to get there, you're just like, damn, that is a disappointment. But um, at the end of the day, like it, it was obviously an amazing experience competing at the Olympic Games, competing for Australia making a final learning um, about all those kind of aspects, the village, everything. But um, I know Paris is going to be oh, incredible. Man. I know that they're going to bring it uh, through 100%. It's going to be massive roar, massive crowd, but the crowds are coming back. The roars are coming back. And, and that's something that's getting re- you know, really excited with the sport is, I mean, the Murray plant meet in Melbourne, uh, we've got an amazing crowd out there uh, for that meet. And, and that just gives me hope that athletics is growing in Australia as well as around the world. And, and it's going to keep building up and supporting our amazing athletes in the sport. Ollie, before we do let you go, always thank you for your time. Of course, John Stephenson was uh, the mastermind behind Nitro Athletics and the Elimination Mile, which I'm a huge, massive fan of. And we spend huge most of this well. show talking about it. Is it something that you would love to see a bit more of the Elimination Mile? A hundred percent. John, every American that I run with, every American, every person that I talk to, they all they talk about is Elimination Mile. They're watching YouTube. They're obsessed. No they love Are it. Are you serious? They're trying. No, I'm not kidding, mate. I'm not kidding. They're obsessed. My teammates who are American, US Olympians, um, and like all these athletes are like, why hasn't Australia done an Elimination Mile again? I was like, mate, we could put, we could put one anywhere. We could put one in, in Melbourne. We could put it in Sydney. We could put it anywhere. You come down, you race it. They're like hundred percent because they love the race. They love the instinct and the tactics and people mm. just like, it was just, it's just so, such a brilliant event. And uh, it's fun because that kind of reach has hit the US as well as Europe. And I think you'd get a lot of, a lot of uh, traction on, on getting that going and, and getting people excited about Elimination Mile because it is, as, as a viewer, a very entertaining thing to watch. And a lot of the American runners are 
they loved watching it. They really loved watching it. So come on, Johnny. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're to gonna it. have to get to work, Ollie, and we may maybe just just have to call it the Ollie Hall Elimination. Been on a brother. Love it. Man, hey. It's gonna get too big. <laughs> Ollie, thank you. Always uh, a pleasure to talk to a uh, superstar. And uh, you got a couple of minutes, 100%. man. So good luck for the uh, the season ahead, and we look forward to chatting to you again sometime real soon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. He's a superstar. Ollie Hall. We love the elimination mile. Quick break. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Plenty more on the House of Aths next. Rush into Chemist Warehouse today and grab INC Protein. Powering tomorrow today. (laughs) This is the House of Aths with Cam Luke and John Stephenson. (laughs) That's Uncle Steph, Johnny Steph, Jay Bone. I don't know. He's got 45 different nicknames and he is... A huge part of self-congratulate, a third person of the year award. Uh, head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Now, before we get out of here, we do not have a great deal of time, uh, but a couple of text messages have come through. Of course, little athletics, little athletes, uh, either in athletics or want to get into it. And a couple of people have asked via 0433981116. One piece of advice, Johnny Steph. You could give 10-year-old Johnny Steph or 10-year-old whoever it might be right now in athletics or wanting to get into it, already doing little athletics, What's the piece of advice you would give them? Take up goal. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I've seen your golf game, mate. It certainly isn't taking up golf. All seriousness, what I would say, and I've lived by this, is believe in yourself. That's it. That's it. And it sounds very cliched, but if, if you believe, in your ability, you will achieve whatever your mind sits out to. That's without a doubt. That is great advice for little athletes, for little golfers, for little gymnasts, for little footballers. Right. I love it. I like it. And the elimination mile. I tell you what, I spent the last week trying to work out a team's event for the Diamond League, of which Johnny Steph's two years into. So next seven days, I'm going to spend how we get the elimination <laughs> mile in Australia on the back of your great work all those years ago. Johnny, thank you. Ham, it's always a pleasure. Big shout out to the crew at Chemist Warehouse. Make sure you head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Grab us on YouTube as well. You can podcast it via all the SCN socials. Until next week, this has been the House of Aths.